Welcome to episode two of the Eyes Have It podcast uh, with your host, Chris Blessing, and myself, Brent Hershey. Chris, we made it through our first week, and no one uh, demanded that we shut this thing down, so that's a, that's a good call, right? Yeah, man. Uh, welcome welcome to the show, uh, uh, everybody out there. Uh, we're back. We are back for episode number two. And episode two is going to be a episode that y'all remember forever and ever, at least until uh, next week. Uh, yes, we'll hit yes. on some news and notes in the prospect world. We'll chat a bit about the first couple of starts from James uh, Kerprillian. Uh We'll dig into some live looks. Uh, I got to see the Braves uh, outfield prospect, Michael Harris. Um Brent got to see Pirates uh, starter, former Yankees uh, farmham, uh, Ronis Contreras. Uh, so we'll be sharing those things. And if, if we get to it, we'll talk about some of the a couple of our quick glances this week at Greg Jones, Blake Hunt, both of the um, Rays organization, and O'Neill Cruz, double uh, A Pirates prospect. Uh, are you ready for this, Brent Hershey? I am ready. Uh, Before we get into the thick of things, just a quick shout out to those of you who listened to episode one and chose to return. We truly appreciate it. We want to hear from you. You know, you can always reach out to us with questions, comments to the show, and any sort of feedback. Uh, The best ways are on Twitter. Uh, Chris is at C underscore blessing, and I'm at Brent HQ. Or you can reach us both by sending an email to the eyes have it at BaseballHQ.com. And uh, we do look forward to, uh, to hearing from many of you. Yeah, I think please, we're gonna... please, please, please reach out to us. Uh, we like to answer questions. And, you know, maybe I'm going to stop just answering questions on Twitter and I'll, I'll just save them for the, for the podcast uh, so I can actually research them as opposed to just, you know, being, you know... <laughs> just kind of flying there uh trying to um, with a wing and a prayer so uh are you ready yeah. for this yes love to hear from you uh we're gonna hit a couple of newsy things here uh first depending depending on what comes up we'll hit on some of these each week uh one thing i was th- thought was interesting came across today uh monday when we we're recording is uh nick lodolo uh, left-handed pitcher from the Reds was named the Double A South Pitcher of the Week um, this past week, uh, off of his May 19th start, where he went uh, seven and a third, just uh, surrendered one hit, one walk, and had 11 Ks. Um, caught my eye when I saw that note because uh, Chris, you wrote up uh, Lodolo for the site last week. Um, yes, I did. So before the before this first start. Um, I think you saw the first start of uh, his of the year. What uh, what kind of what kind of stuff stood out to you from that start? And are you know are we talking about a guy that we can expect uh, double digit strikeouts from as he continues to move up the ladder? Well, I saw a kid that was uh, much improved from last off season. So like uh, he showed up to Reds, I guess what you would call summer camp. Maybe a little bit on the on the out of shape side of things, uh, just like a lot of us during the pandemic, he might have been sitting around a little too much. I know I gained some weight, uh, 
he had a really disastrous start against uh, uh, the Detroit Tigers in like a scrimmage right before the season started. And uh, we really never heard from Nick Lodolo again uh, for the for the rest of the season. Uh, there were whispers in spring training that he might have even been up uh, had it not been for that uh, that disastrous start of uh, uh, against major league bats in, uh, in the summer camp. So uh, what I saw on, it was, I guess, May 6th was when I watched him, uh, was a pitcher who had increased his velocity. So like at the summer camp slash ATS, he was throwing 91, 92, uh, maybe touching 93. And, you know, I had him up to 96, uh, pretty much sitting in a 94, 96 range uh, for most of his start. Uh, he's a contr- uh, command control over stuff type of guy, but he has an arsenal that he employs that, you know, essentially he's getting, he's using every quadrant of the zone. Uh, he's hitting his locations and his goal and what he succeeded so far against these double a hitters is keeping guys off balance. Uh, so he likes to use his fastball to all the quadrants of the strike zone, but it works best up. Um, it, it's just a better pitch uh, from what I see from 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 uh, you know attacking the upper part of the zone. Uh, his yeah. curveball is his best secondary, uh, although the changeup has really improved. And uh, I didn't get a chance to watch uh, the May nineteenth start, but uh, that changeup was a difference maker in the. May 6th start. So yeah. I, I wonder if that the, the fading action and the improvement that he's had with that pitch uh, carried over to the start on May 19th. Yeah. I mean, is it something like, you know, you think you'll, we'll see him. I know he's a polished college guy. I mean, is it something we possibly see him in the majors kind of later this year, or does he you still need, uh, you know, nearly a full year of work? Do you think? I would bet that we'd see him. Uh, I, in my article, I actually said that I expect him to be up. Um, his teammate in uh, Chattanooga, we talked about last week, Hunter Green. Yeah. Hunter yeah. Green's a guy that is not as refined, obviously. Guy yeah. coming off injury and all that good stuff, but is, you know, having great uh, great results, just like Lodolo has. Uh, so, like, Lodolo could, you know, maybe compete in the SP4, SP5 range uh, come august of this year maybe uh his eventual upside is probably sp3 uh i think i wrote him up as sp3 sp4 guy i guess it may play up especially uh if the command is as good as uh, it's been so far in double a yeah sounds sounds good we'll keep an eye on him and certainly if he keeps uh keeps up with the 11k starts there'll be uh there'll be some buzz around lodolo for sure uh, second item is that uh, Keston Hira uh, is back up with the Brewers. I know he's hit three home runs uh, in his Triple A stint, and you know what? Uh, technically, he's of course no longer a prospect. I know you saw a bunch of Hira uh, in in the old uh, Southern League and and uh, during his time in the minors. And we did have a we did have a question on one of your articles uh, on Lodolo. Uh, from last week at the site that that asks about uh, Hira, I'm just going to ask you. I mean, what what do you think he needs to do at the MLB level to kind of get it back? I mean, it's obviously been a big uh, disappointment so far. What did you see uh, 
uh, in the minors that uh, he's not able to do or hasn't been able to do yet at the major league level. Yeah, I was on our uh, sister show a few weeks ago, HQ Radio with Patrick, and uh, uh, Hura came up in our discussions. Uh, and you know, I kind of explained that like I learned a lot from uh, from my evaluation of Hura and seeing how it played out in the major leagues. Uh, uh, Hura has always been a guy that has been touted as a uh, high-hit tool, yet contact issues have always been a thing and while i marveled when i saw it how uh how he allowed balls uh pitches to travel into the zone before you know kind of unleashing a swing uh and using his uh plus bat speed to you know get barrel around and even have some barrel control with it i didn't really examine if like something would be amiss uh and how it would affect him you know yeah. moving forward and uh, you know, when you're a guy like that that has a lot of swing and miss in your swing, yet you still allow the ball to travel, if something's off with your swing and some of the timing's off, you're going to be atrocious. Uh, you're going to be a very streaky hitter. So, like, right now he's on a hot streak. And this is a kid that you probably, if you're in a redraft league or even, you know, I, I – I, Doubt if people gave up on him uh, too badly in dynasties or keepers. But, like, if you're in a redraft league, uh, yeah. you know, take it while it's hot. Uh, Hura is going to be a guy. And he he has shown that he can, uh, you know, deliver a hot streak for several months. Uh, but yeah. you also got it. It also comes with, well, he can also deliver a very cold streak yeah. uh, over yeah. several months. Yeah, well, in that case, he's kind of due because he's been cold for a while. And, yes. <laughs> and I mean, and and kudos to the Brewers. I mean, you know, uh, if they are, I'm certainly keeping tabs on him. He's he's uh, gotten something back going uh, at AAA. Uh, maybe they're maybe that's part of it is kind of uh, calling him up here while uh, while he's uh, smoking and seeing if uh, seeing if that can carry over. I know for me, the you know, it's, it's so fascinating the whole uh, confidence. Uh, thing about uh, hitters and, and players in general getting on a getting on a roll and the confidence that that builds them uh, here in the majors. Yeah. Another the last uh, one other note is that uh, someone uh, the pitcher that we covered last week uh, Jackson Rutledge of the Nationals uh, exited a start over the weekend after just a third of an inning with shoulder discomfort, which is never a good you know never good news, um, and we don't have really any other news beyond that but it just uh stuck out as someone we talked about someone i saw there in the second week of the season and uh you know likely affects his timeline for mlb debut which is probably you know probably pretty unlikely that he was going to debut uh this year and of course uh shoulder discomfort if it's a shoulder problem uh they will they will uh examine it and take an easy take it easy from him uh as a national staff and finally, uh, just as we kind of started recording here, we got news that uh, right-handed pitcher Alex Manoa of the Blue Jays, who has had uh, a hot start to the season in, uh, in, in their AAA club, is getting called up to start on Wednesday. Um, so we're looking forward to that. I know you have some experience um, with Manoa as a, uh, as a collegian and um, – and he'll certainly be a subject, most likely, uh, of the debut that we'll talk about next week. 
Yeah, if anybody wants to check out that work, I wrote an article in 2019, uh, C.J. Abrams plus uh, Alec Manoa. Uh, so oh, it's wow. a pretty, it's a pretty hot, uh, hot thing. And uh, I kind of go into that where I'm really not certain that Manoa is a starter, and I don't know if those question marks have been answered yet or not. Uh, so I'm very interested in seeing his his debut, and you know, coming back here and talking about it, maybe. You know, looking at our at my 2019 review, uh, 19 scouting report, and uh, comparing it to what it is now. Yeah, that'll be definitely uh, definitely something we'll keep an eye on. Uh, kind of keep that in the back of our minds as we're watching uh, the Manoa start later this week. All right. So uh, last week we covered the debuts of uh, two big Mariners, Jared Kellick and Logan Gilbert. And kind of you know discuss what we saw in their first taste of the majors, and that's that's something that we'll um, that we'll do uh, fairly often, especially for some top prospects. Uh, kind of when they debut, um, you know, Chris and I will uh, break it down for you a little bit, or 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 talk about what we saw. And for many of these guys, they might be um, they might be prospects that we had seen over the past couple of years uh, on their way to the majors. Um, and this past week, there was no real huge rookie debut, nothing of the Kalnick-Gilbert scale anyway. But I thought one pitcher that might be fun to dig into a little bit is uh, ace starter James Caprillion. Now, he's you know technically a rookie. Uh, he did pitch two games of relief last year in the shortened season, got knocked around a bit, you know, three earned runs, gave up two home runs, and just uh, three and two-thirds innings pitched. Um, and after... Uh, Jesus Lazardo and Mike Fires went down earlier this month. The A's called up Caprillion for his first uh, big league start on May 12th. He pitched five innings in Boston, got a win, um, gave up four hits, three walks, six Ks. Then the A's uh, skipped the turn through their rotation, but then started him again on Saturday against the Angels, where he pitched even better. Uh, five and two-thirds, four hits, two earned runs, a walk, and nine Ks. I know Chris... Uh, you know, you've seen and, and you've been high on Caprillion and seen him a bunch since he was drafted way back in 2015. Um, can you briefly catch us up on kind of his journey to this point? It's kind of a bunch of ups and downs for sure. Yeah. So he was uh, drafted in 2015 out of UCLA by the by the Yankees in the first round. And uh, there was some thought when he got drafted that he'd be up in the major leagues, maybe helping the Yankees to towards a pennant push, maybe out of their bullpen that year. Uh, uh, and then the injury started. Uh, Caprillion's always been a guy that has had a high effort delivery. And that hasn't changed. There's it, yeah. still a lot of effort in that delivery. Uh, I, I watched the Angels, uh, Angels game. But anyway, um, you know, from seeing him then, seeing him now, there, there might be a little bit less uh, effort, but... I mean, there's still a lot of effort in that delivery. Uh, when I saw him in 2016, I saw him at the Arizona Fall League. Uh, he started a game. Uh, it was bright sunshine. I think it was in Scottsdale. I think that's who he was playing for, actually, um, uh, with the Yankees affiliate. Uh, I don't know if that was the year with Tim Tebow. It might have been the year with Tim Tebow. Who knows? Uh, they all run together. If, if uh, you go to the Arizona Fall League or if you go to – Come to first pitch, Arizona. Are we are we going to yeah. have that this year? Still uh, to be determined. Although it's trending positively for now, we'll just say that. Nice. I'm sure uh, we just answered a bunch of people's questions in the middle of uh, 
a Caprillion uh, uh, scouting report. But yeah, I saw him four pitch pitcher at that time was uh, mid nineties with his fastball. He actually touched 98 uh, on the gun that I was cheating off of uh, since I didn't bring my radar gun to Arizona that year. Uh, the slider and curveball were both, you know, it looked like potential above the average pitches uh, at that point. Uh, the, I actually kind of liked the curveball a little more than I liked the slider at that time. It was a more slurvy pitch, but the the break the downward break on the pitch really was uh, was late in the progression so he was able to you know get swings and misses on that pitch and then the changeup was uh, I I would kind of phrase it as being very inconsistent uh, and and you see that a lot in the minor leagues I hate using the word inconsistent when we're talking about uh, any of these pitchers but uh, there were a few balls that he threw a few changeups that he threw that had a fork ball like uh, like action to it and you know it was enough of a package that like without the injury with the injury concerns i should say it was still a top 100 prospect but yeah. uh with the injuries concerns you 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 kind of you know hedged a bit and uh i yeah. did hedge a bit i don't i don't i know i ranked him in a few years in the top 100 but uh, yeah I was scared away. I mean, the guy constantly was hurt a lot. Uh, shoulder yeah, issue, yeah. issues, elbow issues. Uh, yeah. And last uh, last year was the first time he was really healthy. And, you know, we only saw those uh, couple of uh, relief outings late in the year and didn't really know what to make of that. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a, that's a great, you know, it's a great uh, example, again, of, of, of uh, a guy that was really hurt by the whole pandemic uh because because he was you know it, the injuries like you said shoulder and the elbow like two big <laughs> two big deals uh you know didn't pitch in 2017 or 2018 um you know was 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 gaining the strength back in 2019 went through a couple um couple different levels kind of as he as he climbed there and then you know 2020 would have been in a normal year kind of the year he would uh, you know, kind of see what we, what we have, like, you know, pitching all year, probably at a high, um, you know, a triple A or double A affiliate kind of, uh, ramping them up to possibly help. And that was just all, um, uh, wiped out. And like you said, so, you know, you get some, whatever, some alternatives, uh, alternate site experience, um, gets knocked around a little bit in relief and, uh, you know, sort of slide under the radar again. Um, but uh, but in this start, uh, I had I also watched you know both of them so far, but specifically focused on Saturday night's uh, one. Uh, what did you see in that as it compares to uh, what you saw in uh, the start from the AFL in 2016? You know what's really interesting with this guy is like I don't I think the stuff was actually a lot better in uh, the Arizona Fall League in 2016. And a little caveat here too. Uh, I actually think one of one of the pitches, and, and Brent and I will get to that in a second here, uh, was much better than it was when I saw it in in the Arizona Fall League. Uh, the velocity, uh, while he was sitting in the, you know, I saw some ninety twos, ninety threes, ninety fours. I think I saw ninety five in the telecast. Uh, the velocity isn't really back, uh, and that was something that during the off season I. Yeah, you know, I talked to a contact uh, with some A's coverage, and that was one of their main concerns with him. Uh, the curveball, he wasn't really getting on top of it uh, 
like I saw in the Arizona Fall League, it was still an effective pitch. And when 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 he was able to get on top of the pitch, it was it was a pitch that really, uh, you know, changed the eye levels a bit, and uh, you know, had break that towards the end of the progression that that batters would go after. Uh, yeah. But then he like kind of avoided getting hurt on that pitch, which was was kind of amazing because there were some of those curveballs that were right in the happy zones that guys just couldn't pull the trigger on, uh, couldn't. Uh, and if they pulled the trigger on, they got under the ball. So uh, I thought the changeup was also, you know, was more much more consistent than what I saw it. Um, but, you know, still had some inconsistencies, especially when he was leaving it up when he wasn't finishing his changeup. Uh, but I saw a similar break. I mean, uh, the arm side uh, drop that he was getting was was phenomenal yeah. on that pitch. There was uh, a couple, yeah, a couple of in, yeah. uh, against some lefties that really, uh, really went down. In, yeah, in a it, way, mm-hmm. effective. It really broke. Uh, it broke hard, uh, and it, I mean that's something that you look for. Uh, obviously, the fastball is something that worked better up, but he was able to command it to all the quadrants of the zone. Uh, the one pitch that he really got hurt on was the uh, uh, Iglesias home run, where he, I mean, he just basically threw the threw a very flat fastball to the middle of the plate. Uh, and as we've talked before in my articles and and on the previous podcast, you know, guys like that with flatter fastballs, they're they're more premium movements up in the zone. Uh, and in this case, his his four seam movement was almost like a two seamer movement. He had a lot of uh, arm side run to his fastball up that he did not have uh, have down. Uh, did you notice that, Brent? Yeah, I mean, I I thought too. I mean, uh, as I was watching for sure, that that pitch to Iglesias was yeah, it was just grooved middle middle. Um, and there was one a little bit later. Oh, uh, Ward hit a home run on its last at bat too. That was. A better pitch, um, <clears throat> a down, down a little bit and a little bit away, and, and Ward did a great job of uh, going out and getting it. But I thought for the most part, um, he really excelled at, you know, staying out of the middle of the plate, which is especially important, like you said, with a fastball that was, you know, 92, 94, uh, as opposed to higher, um, and you know, got some, uh, got some really nice uh, called strikes on uh, the outside corner a couple times. Um, and, uh, you know, just overall, you know, I didn't think the fastball command was pristine, but he stayed away from the middle of the plate and moved it back and forth and up and down enough, uh, to, to be pretty effective. I think with that pitch uh, Yeah, against these, against these hitters, uh, especially this season, if you could move that fastball around and have that threat of a, uh, of a breaking ball. You know, you really you're dominating these guys, and essentially at times uh, there were sequences where he dominated, especially with his slider. Uh, yeah. Brent, do you want to elaborate on on his slider a little bit? Well, I just you know the it really seemed like his best off speed pitch uh, that that night uh, on on uh, Saturday. Uh, you know, was really was really tight, and I thought he was able to um, you know to command it. Uh, you know, in some ways better than the fastball. Even uh, there was a there was a called uh, called third strike on a slider to uh, Rendon uh, that was really impressive late in the game, um, and uh, and I just yeah he just he just had a 
you know, just a really good uh, feel for that pitch. One of the things, um, one of the things too, that, that stood out to me is, uh, just sort of his, his game management sort of thing. I mean, now there was no trout in this lineup. Um, but you look at kind of how he handled the two best hitters in Otani and Rendon, um, the, the three times he faced them. Uh, and I just thought it was really indicative the, his last inning, which was the, uh, sixth, um, he had a, had a, a Tani two, two, um, twice through him kind of on a two, two count through him, you know, 93, 94 fastballs kind of up in the zone, um, tough, you know, decent pitches, but Otani fouled him back and then came back with a, uh, 79 curveball, which was one of the, one of the, uh, beauty curveballs that he threw, um, you know, just a 12, six, uh, big break and, and Otani swung through it. Like earlier in the earlier in the start, he actually missed on a on a curveball that I think Otani might have fouled off or popped up or something like that. Yeah. So and it it was a it was a big miss by uh, Caprillion, and you know to see him go back to that pitch against the same guy, and it, I'm sure Otani's eyes lit up when he saw the <laughs> spin just from you know from that last at bat. So uh, you know being able to bury that uh, against the you know, one of the best hitters in the major leagues right now uh, yeah. was a phenomenal thing. Yeah. And the other thing, you know, the other thing going back to his Boston start too, um, you know, he really, uh, really held it together after a, a tough uh, beginning. He uh, first, you know, the first inning, they loaded uh, the bases with no outs. Um, there were a couple of walks in there. He got two walks, or excuse me, got two outs, and so the bases were still loaded. Walked in a run, um, you know, and again, the bases were still loaded, and it was just like, you know, this this could be a disaster. Uh, he got out of it, um, you know, and and eventually pitched uh, five and got the win. So there's there's something there uh, in that first start as well as the start, uh, his second start here of, of kind of, I don't know. I just think about it sort of game management, working his way through, uh, mixing his pitches, knowing kind of what to use, when to be effective. Um, and again, we're seeing that, you know, against a major league lineup. Um, against with, good uh, major, major league you're lineups. Right, with, the, you know, like I was going to say. We're not talking the, about the Mariners who get no hit every week. No, exactly. We're talking about the, you know, like we said, Trout's not there, but certainly Otani, Rendon, and, and, uh, you know, Walsh is having a great year. Iglesias uh, really is too, quietly having a good year. Fletcher's in there. Uh, struck out Fletcher uh, at least once. You know, a guy that doesn't strike out much. So I, I overall, the point being, uh, I was just encouraged in, in seeing um, both of those starts. And I'm interested to kind of uh, see if, if, if it continues at this pace. I certainly think the A's have no, um, you know, no other option but just to kind of leave him in there, uh, especially with some of the injuries they have. Yeah. And, and, you know, you look at this as a fantasy manager and uh, a rookie comes in and does well against two of the better lineups in the American league. And one, one of the risks that you have is that the injury, the injury history is just not going to go away. Uh, yeah. And the, the, the delivery is not going to get any better. I mean, we're still yeah. going to be having to deal with this stuff. So this is a guy to ride as long as he's healthy, but, Know that, like, especially if you're in a keeper type league, that you know this might be if you're between him and another guy this off season, you might want to go with the guy that you know 
essentially might be pitching, uh, um, uh, you know, beyond that. Uh, uh, you know, it's the same sort of issue that you run into with the, the Padres' Lamet. I mean, it's the same thing where you're just kind of like, you know, while he's going good, let's let's ride him. But, uh, yeah. you know, there's always that risk, and uh, Lamet always kind of falls in, in redraft leagues. And, you know, this is kind of like if he can – if uh, Caprillian can establish himself, uh, you know, we're looking at the same sort of guy where you're still just kind of like, hmm – I don't know if I can trust this over a long term. And, you know, this is a quality arm that you may be able to get, like, maybe later in a draft. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the big, you know, just to, just to play devil's advocate, the big difference here is, though, is that we see four pitches that he can use. Yeah, and, of course. And go to, uh, as opposed to Lamette. And, and, but it is, a, it is also true, just to keep in mind, it will just have to, you know, kind of see what happens the – rest of the year certainly the A's uh, are aware of his history and, and will do what they can to keep him healthy but on the other hand he is you know he's no he's he's no young prospect either he's 27 you know with a, uh, coming out of college and and then running into those um, to those injury uh, injury years that uh, were lost on him so uh, so yeah we'll just have to keep an eye on him uh, and see how he finishes out yeah I hope those sirens weren't for him uh you know, a little concerned when we're talking about a hit, but but luckily Brent Brent is in Philadelphia and not where the A's are. The A's moved from Philadelphia a long time ago. I don't know if anybody knew that. Uh, they actually went to Kansas City before they went to Oakland. So uh, hopefully those sirens weren't for uh, Mister Caprillion. Uh, so well, you, uh, you didn't you didn't know that I have these uh, these drops already, did you? No, I did not. Okay, so, <laughs> that, that was. That was not planned. You're, you are correct. <laughs> All right. We'll be moving on to our live look segment. Uh, in our live look segment, we're going to be discussing a few guys that we've seen over the last uh, week, I believe. I believe it was last week that we saw these guys. Yes. Uh, I know that you got a couple games in the past week uh, to sit on uh, Braves outfielder and sort of a you know semi-pop-up guy here more recently. Michael Harris, who's in high A, you know, kind of uh, anyone who follows the stats or from the these, you know, uh, morning after blurbs that come out each game at various sites, uh, you know, we've kind of grown accustomed to seeing uh, the name Michael Harris um, through the first 16 games. He's hitting a cool uh, 359, 382 on base with a 531 uh, slugging percentage, two home runs, five doubles and three steals. Uh, of course, the home runs and the steals are interesting to us as fantasy players. Um, what did uh, what did your look tell you, uh, Chris, when you got a chance to see him, uh, Michael Harris, play a couple games this past week? Well, against uh, some you know not so great arms, we won't call them substandard arms. There's there's one guy that I would say has a chance of being a reliever of uh, the guys that I scouted. Actually, two guys, uh, to be honest. Uh, but right now, they're kind of substandard arms. Uh, and, you know, he did everything that you, you know, really wanted to see out of him. Uh, in game one against the lefty, uh, he had no problems. Uh, Harris is a left-handed hitter. Uh, most lefties at this level tend to bail out. Uh, Michael Harris did not bail out. Uh He's kind of, in a lot of ways, a difficult scout. Uh, and I, I actually saw saw him in his, in uh, in high school, uh, and then I saw okay. him in his debut pro season. 
And he wasn't necessarily a guy I was the highest on, uh, mostly because the swing plane wasn't consistent. There was tons of bat speed, but it, it, it just didn't necessarily seem like he was a guy that he, he just seemed really raw. And, yeah. uh, you know, when you're taking a really raw uh, hitter in the third round, which I feel like the Braves were able to gamble a bit because they didn't have as many high round picks and and didn't have the pool because of the uh, uh, the issues that they had with international uh, free agency in the uh, in the copy years. So, like, they were under some penalties. So, like this, they they had a draft where they went for upside or they went for. Uh, guys that were like uh, Vaughn Grish- Grissom, who was a high school guy who was actually very, very, you know, and I was, a- I'm actually surprised he's not in high A, uh, a guy that's very uh, established even as a young player. Uh, so like they concentrated on taking a little more chances on guys and then, then, you know, being a little safe on others. And this is a guy I saw as a guy they took a chance on. Uh, and yeah. like you saw it in 2019, the difference is, is this year you're starting to see him, you know, have the consistent swing plane of uh, still be a little wild uh, with some of his swings still like there is one swing that will be in my video uh, montage that you're you're just going to scratch your head. The ball was passive and he decided to swing at the ball. Uh, uh, has a good sense of the strike zone, has a good sense on what guys were doing. He hit a, a, a game-winning hit in the second game that I saw, and it was really like you knew it was going to happen uh, just based on kid knew the situation and knew what he needed to do and, yeah. and did it and executed. He's not afraid to pull the ball. He's not afraid to go the other way. I'm just going to say it. He's a top 100 prospect. Now, now where that goes is going to be hard Uh you know, after two looks, uh, he's a guy that I'm going to get to ne- uh, this week, actually, on uh, Wednesday and Thursday to kind of, you know, tighten up my evaluation. But I can yeah. tell you right now, he's a top 100 guy. And and for me, he's he's ahead of uh, Drew Waters, who's in AAA right now and who has been regularly a top uh, 50 prospect, even though I didn't yeah. rank him this year uh, uh, because I have some concerns about him as well. But like. I think Michael yeah. Harris has already uh, gotten higher than uh, than Waters is on on at least the Braves' internal prospect uh, um, ranking. Yeah, that's interesting because I was going to ask you where he fits in kind of the Braves hierarchy. I know that uh, you know that you're you write the Braves lists uh, for the minor league baseball analysts and for organizational reports. Um, so it's interesting to hear you uh, talk about Harris. Uh, in relation to Drew Waters and, and some of the other prospects there. It sounds like, you know, he's got some uh, fantasy-friendly tools, let's say. Yeah, I would say that. The one thing I'm a little concerned with, while I do believe he has a good knowledge of the strike zone, uh, the walks, he's not a guy that's taking a lot of walks right now. So, yeah. uh, And that was really what Drew Waters' issue was. Uh, Waters has been a guy who's always wanted to hit. So, like, we're going to have to investigate that a little more, at least in my two viewings. I, th- I thought that he was uh, uh, working counts and stuff, but like, I'm excited for him. I think I had him ranked ninth on our top 15 this year. And I, I think uh-huh. that I was, uh, I was a little light on that ranking. He's yeah. probably, yeah. you know, probably up there. You know, there's a chance that he's the top prospect in their organization 
mid-season. Cool. Yeah. Well, so we'll keep an eye on Michael Harris. I just, that's the one, the one thing uh, that you mentioned there is what I was going to ask about too, is just, you know, about the plate discipline issue, just three walks, 16 Ks and 16 games. Um, but again, uh, you can get away with that sometimes if, if, uh, you know, if you're aggressive enough and, and like to swing, um, but uh, certainly that is something that I'm sure as you as you watch more of uh, Rome and being one of the uh, parks that you frequent, uh, you'll be able to fill in those gaps for us. Yeah, I'm hoping that June 1st, uh, uh, which is a Tuesday, is my uh, Michael Harris scouting report. That's what I'm what I'm aiming at right now. So hopefully I have those questions answered by June 1st. Brent, last week, uh, you got to see somebody that was really interesting. Yes, uh, I uh, ran into um, Altoona and Harrisburg in uh, AA East uh, League, where Altoona was in town. And it just so happened that I got to see uh, Rowanzi Contreras, um, who has gotten off to a phenomenal, uh, a phenomenal start uh, in his first two uh, outings before uh, before I saw him last week. Um, Contreras was someone uh, that, that readers may or listeners may be familiar with. Uh, was one of the uh, main players in the Jameson Tyon deal. Uh, so it was originally with the Yankees, and uh, was one of the pitchers that the uh, uh, Pirates got back for Tyon this uh, past off season. Uh, what's interesting to me, uh, he had he started out uh, like I said in these first two uh, games like um, like crazy, uh, eleven innings pitched, twenty two Ks, just two walks, uh, and was unscored upon in his first two outings. Um, when I realized that he was going to line up uh, with Harrisburg and I could make that uh, trip to see him, I was looking back and. Uh, something said, I, you know, that name sounds familiar. And here I had seen Contreras uh, in uh, almost two years ago in July of 2019 when he was with uh, Loe Char- Charleston with uh, the Yankees. Um, and at that point, um, he was throwing, uh, he was mostly 93, 94. Um, he was getting swings and misses up in the zone. He threw a, a curveball. Uh, that was 73-76. The slower ones uh, were more effective against the low A uh, hitters than the harder ones. And then really his better off-speed pitch was uh, 85-88 to changeup. Had good uh, deception. It was reliable. You know, it was more reliable pitch in the curveball. And, um, you know, I just have in my notes that, you know, just has a fast arm. Uh, And that day... You know, he went six, gave up two hits, two earned runs, seven Ks, uh, three walks. So that was interesting to me to to check that out before I went to uh, to Harrisburg to see him last week, and uh, had had a sense that uh, maybe something has changed, and it and it has certainly. Um, the game from last week, he was throwing 95, 97, and the fastball was just popping. Um, you know, he was able to move it around some uh, when he got it inside on guys. It was it was really tough. Um, again, as the other uh, a- as with earlier, he was able to uh, use it up in the zone uh, effectively. Um, you know, has sort of a has sort of a, a mini sort of torso turn. Um, 
at release, it sort of uh, aids in some deception. Um, slider was good too. Now uh, I hadn't seen a slider a couple of years ago. He had had an, this. He was throwing eighty one, eighty five, and was really able to locate it, um, catching guys off guys, uh, catching guys off guard, and laying it in for strikes, as well as uh, getting you know making it a chase pitch when he was ahead. And uh, the changeup there, um, while it wasn't as wasn't as an, uh, effective as what I saw a couple of years ago, and it was harder kind of coming in at 89, 90, um, you know, there, it still had some, uh, some decent qualities to it, but it definitely was, uh, for him this night anyway, was fastball, uh, slider heavy. And, you know, I didn't see a true curve really at all. Um, which was, uh, which was interesting to me and, you know, made me think about, you know, that these, both the velocity and the, the velocity uptick and kind of this, uh, curveball that wasn't there anymore maybe think about you know what kind of changes happen to these guys uh sometimes as they as they change organizations or as they um develop it sounds like this this slider is you know much better pitched than the slow loopy curveball that he threw when he saw him in 2019 with charleston uh i also have uh some data from the uh ats uh so, like, this velocity has been kind of slowly coming over the last uh, last two years. You saw him 92, 95, 94, was it? Uh, yeah, in that range. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he, at the ATS, he averaged uh, 93.6 on his fastball. Uh, uh, yeah. And so now he's 95, 97 from, from your report. So, like, mm-hmm. we're starting to see this guy gain strength, essentially mature into his body. So, uh you know, for the last few years, I've been kind of writing him up. I have had the Yankees coverage. I've been writing him up as a as an SP three, but really kind of hedging on the whole SP four thing, uh, yeah. because really, truly, that's what I saw. I saw a slow curve uh, through yeah. different reports that I got. He was one of the few Yankees guys that just never could line up. Uh, yeah, but now it looks like something's changed. Would you agree? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think he's. Uh certainly kind of, you know, middle of the rotation kind of, uh, potential, uh, you know, the fact that these things have improved, I mean, that the breaking ball, you know, is, is so much more effective. I mean, I, you know, put in, put the, put it into context too. I mean, I, while the, while the slower curveball was effective against low A hitters, uh, I don't think that that, you know, would have been, uh, effective as, as effective as he moved up the ladder as this, uh, you know, as the slider has been, and and the fact that uh, while the changeup, well, I didn't see a lot of it uh, during the start um, uh, last week. It's certainly, you know, being a field pitch, uh, you know, you have to assume that, you know, even though his fastball has gotten harder, and and maybe the change, maybe the change, a couple changeups that I did see were a little bit uh, had a little bit more velocity to them. That uh, you know that that isn't just something you lose uh there so if i mean if if there's a you know kind of a three pitch mix there that he can uh go to and and work uh you know work that change up away against lefties um and continue to uh to hold that velocity uh 95 97 and you know one of the i mean i think there's uh, some definite upside there certainly one of the things that i noticed too you know he ended up going six and two-thirds uh, just gave up two singles, just one walk, which was the last battery face, uh, six Ks, 89 pitches. 
um, you know, his last pitch uh, on that walk was was 97, uh, you know, and he was he was holding. So he was holding that uh, that velocity uh, late into his outing. Um, you know, one of the things one other thing is he's you know, he's not a huge guy. Uh, so he's six zero, listed at, at six foot even, um, uh, one seventy five is what he's listed at. He's he's heavier than that. I mean, in a positive way, he's you know gained some strength um, since then. Um, but he's not, uh, you know, he's not a typical six four, uh, two thirty guy that you just see and say inning feeders. Now, of course, that doesn't. And, 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 you know, we're not going to – that that's the great thing about the evolution of pitching right now yeah. is we're not going to see a lot of guys that – you know, we're not going to call the prototypical guy anymore. We're seeing more six-foot pitchers. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, one of – I honestly think maybe the best or second-best right-handed starter right now, and hopefully I get to see him, is Max Meyer uh, in the Marlins organizations. Mm. He's yeah. six-foot, too. So, like right. – yeah. There's the the actual, you know, our eyeballs are changing on how we view these guys. Uh, yeah. And so, like, Contreras is, uh, you know, maybe six foot becomes the regular height. Or maybe maybe it's just uh, that they'll be more accepted as starters. I know that, like, a lot of my evaluation uh, two years ago on Contreras through, through contacts is, you know, really changed because... Uh, We've seen more guys of shorter stature be able to yeah. make it as MLB starters. Yeah, and you know, I think there's something about again uh, some of the deception, some of the arm slot stuff, uh, the ability to kind of get and and use that uh, fastball effectively, especially at the top of the zone. Uh, that's going to uh, you know it's going to work well for him. So it was, it was an exciting uh, exciting start to see. Um, especially since, you know, you read the stats, you see the blurbs, oh, he's, he's, uh, got off to a great start. And then to actually see it with your own eyes and say, uh, you know, there's, there's something happening here. Uh, the guys in double A, uh, really, um, you know, really dominating so far through three starts. They're, they're taking him easy. Their Altoona's on a six man rotation. So he's just pitching, uh, once a week. Um, so they're, uh, It'll be interesting to see how he develops, but it's someone that, uh, again, given the Pirates organization, um, if he continues to do anything close to this pace, I would think at some point uh, there's a mid-year, um, you know, uh, graduation to trip away, um, and then maybe even, you know, then maybe even a start or two um, later in the season, the major league season down the line, and and certainly. Uh, Pittsburgh is not a place where uh, he's going to be blocked as far as opening yeah. for that. But, uh, but, but, but I think, you know, much like, uh, much like Harris, certainly as we, um, you know, with a month in of the minor league season, certainly is a riser within his own organization. Yeah, um, I, 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 I would definitely agree on that. Uh, we also got to see other guys. I'm just going to really quickly touch on that. Uh, my whole goal this week, uh, as you'll see, I did not write these guys up, uh, was to write up Greg Jones and Blake Hunt, both uh, Rays high A prospects. Uh, unfortunately, both guys uh, only got one game look for me. Uh, I was there for multiple games, but they were off the second game that I was there. Uh, 
Um, both interesting prospects, both kind of borderline top 100, depending on who you ask. I know that Jones was in our HQ 100. I know that Blake Hunt was not. Uh, so, like, two very interesting guys, but just a limited look. I saw Hunt terrible, terrible uh, defensive game. So, I, I, I'm very, uh, in the throwing department at least, uh, very yeah. intrigued to see him again in June. Uh because of these schedules, uh, these teams come by all the time. So I'll get to see Bowling Green again in a month's time. So uh, And then Jones, I, he's a switch hitter. So I got two at-bats from each side. Actually, five plate appearances in total, but one of them he got hit in. Uh, so, like, that, that, you know, that's a very, very small look. And I yeah. know you saw a big Pirates prospect, big Pirates hitting prospect. And when I say big, I should say tall. Uh O'Neill Cruz, right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, O'Neill Cruz is also on that Altoona team. Uh, much the same of you. It's it's so uh, you know it's it's uh, challenging to kind of uh, do a full evaluation or impossible really to do a full evaluation on off of one game. Um, but obviously, Cruz sticks out. Uh, for those that don't know, he's a six-seven uh, shortstop, uh, and is just he's built. He's built like an NBA player is, is the first thing I could think of. Tall, lean, obviously tall, uh, lean, um, fluid, athletically, um, but there's still just given given how tall he is, I think there's there's questions about uh, where his where he's going to end up defensively. Um, I had gotten uh, a couple uh, notes that he was having some problems that some problems on the routine play and and sure thing. Um, he did boot one ground ball that night. Again, one game sample. Um, uh, saw some batting practice, uh, but the and and he had some uh, you know some some good swings. There's uh, power in there because of the long levers, um, but there's also uh, got to be some holes in that as well. Uh, wasn't facing the best pitching uh, that night, and um, so I didn't get a didn't get a real good hitting evaluation, uh, but certainly I hope to catch Altoona later in the season, uh, specifically to take some extra looks at Cruz because uh, Cruz certainly has uh, some interest and has our writer's interest. Uh, he was number 38 on our HQ 100 uh, heading into uh, this season. Wow. Uh, and I think that, uh, you know, there, there, there's enough athleticism there that uh, if the shortstop thing doesn't work out, I believe they're kind of uh, the word is kind of trying that for this year um, that, you know, left uh, one of the corner infield or one of the corner outfields um, uh, would also be, you know, could also be a possibility. Um, but it, it was a, he's an interesting, uh, interesting guy to watch for sure, just because of uh, the physicality and uh, unique body type. Uh, yeah. Is, and maybe, maybe, cruise. Maybe the Pitt Panthers might need a, you know, undersized power forward, uh, given he's 6'7", 245, and looking like a basketball player. Maybe they'll need him uh, if the baseball thing doesn't work out. I don't yeah, know. It's, it's uh, just as always, we're at the park every week, uh, and it, this week is not an exception. I will be in Rome. I actually have a choice of two places. I have... Double uh, A Chattanooga versus Double A Tennessee, and I have High A Rome, which is Atlanta Braves versus High A uh, Boston, uh, which is Greenville. Uh, so 
very interesting choices. And on a normal in a normal schedule, I pick the Cubs. Go see the Cubs. But uh, right now, only Miguel Amaya of the three big prospects is healthy and at uh, Tennessee. So uh, luckily, they come in the first week of July. So I'm going to wait until uh, Brennan Davis is healthy and uh, Braylon Marquez, the big lefty pitcher that they have. So. Uh, yeah. That's my goal there. I'm going to transition over to Rome, go see and go uh, um, go s- uh, scout, finish my look at Michael Harris, and then also check out a few arms, a uh, few more quality arms with Greenville uh, than the ones that I saw with uh, with Bowling Green and the Rays. Uh, Brian uh, Bello and uh, Chris Murphy are, are the two names that that I'm really kind of concentrating on and bearing down. And hopefully they both pitch Wednesday and Thursday because those are the nights that I don't have either a graduation ceremony to attend (laughs) or my wife's birthday. So Brent, you will be uh, possibly out there this week to see two looks at uh, New Hampshire, correct? Yes, I'm excited. Uh, I am for sure getting two looks at New Hampshire, uh, which who will be in Somerset, the Yankees, uh, double A, new double A affiliate. Uh, new Hampshire is Toronto, and they have uh, three guys on our HQ 100 on that team, and a fourth that's really interesting. Uh, so, uh, Simeon's Woods Richardson is the uh, right handed pitcher uh, that I know uh, Chris, you have written about for us and are familiar with. Some three times I have written him up. Three times. So this is going to be the fourth that, that HQ writes him up. Uh, Simeon uh, Woods Richardson's one of my favorite prospects, obviously. So I'm looking uh, forward I'm, to Brent's take. I'm interested to see in that. They, that team also has uh, 2020 uh, draft pick, high draft pick uh, Austin Martin, uh, infielder. Uh, Jordan Groshans, who's a, a, a highly touted uh, shortstop from a, a high pick from a couple years ago and uh, Gabriel Moreno who's a sort of uh, underappreciated uh, catching prospect um, you know with the catching prospects of course in the fantasy world are a little tricky but uh, he's really uh, been hitting and opening some eyes so I'm interested uh, for sure to see uh, that quartet hopefully I get a Woods Richardson start out of that and yeah. uh, unlike you Hopefully, going to these two games, I get two looks at uh, each of those hitters um, and uh, can report back next week. Yeah, and and the great thing is, is if our listeners want to go and see a Gabriel Moreno scouting report, I got you covered. I actually saw him play for Lansing against Lake County when I was uh, in the Cleveland, Ohio area for the Futures game in 2019, so... Uh, you know, and I was, I was, yeah, I know. I was actually very (laughs) impressed with Moreno. Uh, everybody was like, uh, Conine's kid, Griffin Conine is the guy. And I was like, there's no way Griffin Conine is better than Gabriel Moreno. So I didn't write up Conine, uh, who's in the (laughs) Miami Marlins organization now. Uh, a lot of strikeouts there. Uh, but anyway, I'm very interested to hear what your Austin Martin take is because, uh, I think he's a guy that a lot of people are very high on, but I don't necessarily know which position he's going to play as a major leaguer. So I'm very curious to see what you uh, come up with when you're out there. Hopefully he plays the field. <laughs> yes, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that as well. And that's certainly one of the issues uh, that will be in the front of our minds for sure. Awesome. Well, 
I think we made it through episode number two, so that's another accomplishment. If this was a drinking beer or drinking game, I would chug a beer right now. But all I have is water and sports drinks next to me, so I guess it's not a drinking game. Uh, but yeah. again, uh, for our listeners, uh, reach out to us. Uh, okay. The eyes have it at baseballhq.com. That's where you can get us on email, and then our respective Twitter accounts. Mind C underscore blessing. Uh, and then Brent, what is your Twitter handle again? Uh, Brent HQ. Appreciate nice. you. Appreciate everyone's uh, listening and, and uh, making it through the end here of, of episode two. And uh, with that, we will sign off and uh, talk to you next week. Yeah.